don't, uh, you don't have to come to this church too often to, to figure out that along with faith and fellowship, we like to mix in a lot of opportunities to share food together. Uh, whether, it's, whether it's coffee hour after church, uh, or the monthly men's prayer breakfast, or the chili cook-off that's coming up, uh, we like to eat. And, and you know, sharing a meal together is something that God's people have been doing since the very beginning. Uh, because the biblical call to a feast is a nudge from God to remember the joy of fellowship. Uh, fellowship with Him uh, and with each other. And it's a, a command towards celebration and a literal foretaste of the great feast to come. Uh, a feast that awaits the elect at the end of the age when God will subdue all of his enemies and then finally gather people from every tongue and tribe and race and nation all around this world to his table to eat together in peace and fellowship. Uh, and that's really one of the overarching themes of Psalm 81 today, a psalm that's uh, associated with the great holy day feasts of Israel uh, and with the fellowship that God stands ready to share with all of those who are hungry for his word. So if you're just joining us for the first time or if you're just plugging into the podcast for the first time, we've been doing an expository series through the book of Psalms and we started with Psalm 1 and 82 weeks later, here we are. Yes, who said shh? <laughs> I, I, I heard that. <laughs> so, where was I? Uh, psalm 82, this is again a psalm of Asaph. So God has taken his place in the divine council in the midst of the gods he holds judgment. That's not the right one, is it? 81, see? Who, who, yeah, you got, you got me messed up. That's next week. Can, can you cut that out of the tape? Uh, Never, 81, oh, that my people would listen to me. This is uh, to the choir master, according to the Gittith, which is an instrument of Asaph. Uh, he says, sing aloud to God our strength. Shout for joy to the God of Jacob. Raise a song. Sound the tambourine, the sweet lyre with the harp. Blow the trumpet at the new moon, at the full moon on our feast day. For it is a statute for Israel, a rule of the God of Jacob. He made it a decree in Joseph when he went out over the land of Egypt. I hear a language I had not known. I relieved your shoulder of the burden. Your hands were freed from the basket. In distress you called and I delivered you. I answered you in the secret place of thunder. I tested you at the waters of Meribah, Selah. And if you remember, Selah just really means stop and think about what you've just read. And he continues, Hear, O my people, while I admonish you, O Israel, if you would but listen to me, there shall be no strange God among you. You shall not bow down to a foreign God. I am the Lord your God who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. Open wide your mouth and I will fill it. But my people did not listen to my voice. Israel would not submit to me. So I gave them over to their stubborn hearts to follow their own counsels. Oh, that my people would listen to me. That Israel would walk in my ways. I would soon subdue your enemies and turn my hand against their foes. Those who hate the Lord would cringe toward him, and their fate would last forever. But he would feed you with the finest of the wheat, and with honey from the rock I would satisfy you. Brothers and sisters, this is the word of the Lord. Let's pray together before we 
expound the sermon. Loving Father, uh, you've told us that uh, a man or woman doesn't live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of your mouth, uh, by every truth that's recorded in Scripture, which you have uh, graciously given to us for our learning and for which we praise and thank you now, Father. Uh, and so give our hearts that hunger for your word. Uh, give us ears that are, are quick to hear and a heart of understanding so that we may grow uh, in a grace and a knowledge of you. And feed us, we ask you, Father, now with the truth of Jesus Christ in whose name we pray. Amen. So, uh, you know, I was thinking when I read through this this week, if you use kind of your sacred imagination, reading this psalm, if you, if you read the right one, uh, is, is almost like attending a worship service here, right? You've got the, in the opening verses are like a call to worship. Uh, a call to worship the Lord in response uh, to His greatness and to His goodness. Uh, and then thus commanded to sing, then uh, it's almost as if Pastor John leads us in, in a hymn of praise uh, accompanied by uh, the beautiful melody of Dee playing on the piano and, and Paul playing the trumpet when he's here with us. Uh, but, but then just imagine, you know, now that we've just gone through that, then something amazing would happen. Because when all of the sacred singing goes quiet and, and it's time for the sermon portion uh, of this worship service that Asaph is describing for us, and it's time for the pastor to ascend into the pulpit, uh, just imagine it as the congregation would take a gasp because instead of regular old me, uh, they would hear a guest speaker like no other. Because beginning in verse 6 of this psalm until the end of it, the preacher of the morning message is none other than the Lord himself. If you still have your Bible open, take a look at the text and you can see. Uh, and what you'll see is the tense of the language changes from second person to first person. And now... Uh, Asaph is no longer the one speaking, but the Lord is speaking. Uh, and some of his message is kind of tough. Uh, some of it surely would have made a few in the congregation kind of squirm in their seats. As he says, my people did not listen to my voice. Israel would not submit to me. So I gave them over to their stubborn hearts to follow their own counsels. Oh, that my people would listen to me that Israel would walk in my ways. And you know, you can almost like hear him admonishing and, and pleading at the same time. And then the text changes tense again as God speaks to his people like, like a parent would speak to a dearly loved child and said, if you would just listen to your father, he would feed you with the finest of the wheat and with honey from the rock. If, if you would just wake up and do what's right, I would satisfy you. Not only with the things you need to live, not, not just with the daily bread God knows that we've got to have repeatedly, but with the filling of His Word and with the sweetness of His promises. And that's really what I, I want to focus on from this psalm, what I want to talk to you about in the short time that we have left. Uh, I want to talk to you about feeding on the Word of God. And you know, I know when it comes to, to uh, the Bible, we're familiar with words like read and, and study and meditate, you might not be as accustomed to hearing the word eat when it comes to Scripture. And, and admittedly, talking about eating the Bible does sound a little strange. Uh, but the truth is that God gave us His Word to be our spiritual food. You might remember way back from Psalm 34, uh, where we read, Taste and see that the Lord is good. Oh, the joys of those who take refuge in Him. Or, or ahead of us in our series, when we finally get down to Psalm 119, where we're going to find written, How sweet 
your words taste to me, they're sweeter than honey. Uh, or, or there's Jeremiah 15, 16 that says, Thy words were found, and I did eat them, and thy word was unto me the joy and rejoicing of mine heart. I love that verse. And so, you know, although we may read with our eyes and, and study God's word with our minds, if we don't eat it like food, if we don't really get it inside of us, we're going to end up being spiritually hungry, and as a result, start to get weak in our Christian faith. In fact, the Apostle Paul kind of picked up this idea and expounded on it in his letter to the Corinthians. In 1 Corinthians 3, he writes, Dear brothers and sisters, when I was with you, I, I couldn't talk to you as I would to spiritual people. I had to talk to you as though you belonged to this world or as though you were infants in Christ. I had to feed you with milk, not meat, because you weren't ready for anything stronger and you still aren't ready. And, you know, I like the way he, Paul started that out by addressing the congregation as dear brothers and sisters because uh, some of the things that he had written to them were pretty tough to hear, right? J- just like some of the Psalms of Asaph have been tough for us to hear. But both of those guys are really trying to make it clear that they're not writing to tear people down, but in an effort to build them up and, and to show them where they had gotten off track. And he wants them to know that the only way back is by being filled with the Word of God. Because it's the only reliable dividing line between truth and error. And because what Paul has in mind here is more than just for people to have a passing knowledge of a few scriptures, he picks up this analogy that we just read, and he compares the way that the Corinthians were handling the scriptures to like a young child that was only able to handle a sippy cup. When in reality, they should have been grown enough in the spirit to be asking for a t-bone steak and he's saying you should be past all of this by now you should be past all this but that's not going to happen unless you long to be not just familiar with but completely filled with the word of god and i mentioned this before in uh bible study but one of my longtime favorite quotes uh secular quotes by an english renaissance statesman philosopher sir francis bacon Uh, is when he said some books are to be tasted some to be swallowed and some few to be chewed and thoroughly digested right some books are to be tasted some to be swallowed and some few to be chewed and thoroughly digested but you know developing a taste for intentionally chewing over a text doesn't happen by accident because just in the same way that you and i try to cultivate a a taste for healthy foods in our kids and our grandkids when they're first learning to eat A love for God's word is a cultivated taste. You can't just poke it around on the plate like Brussels sprouts. uh, Or or just nibble a few crumbs here and there and think that you're going to get the recommended daily allowance. But on the other hand, it's also not like saying, here here are your vegetables, this is good for you, and you've got to do it. You've got to make yourself do it. No, because I want you to see that the more you taste and see that the Lord is good, the more that you find him in his word, then the more of him you're going to want as you begin to realize just how hungry you really are. Uh, and sometimes that's, that's a process that you know, won't happen overnight. But eventually and, and progressively, God wants us to seek his face and separate ourselves from all of the worldly influences uh, of our old lives and all the, the junk that we used to fill our brains with. And have us turn our appetites instead to the things that he wants to teach us. 
And then he wants us to be ready to deliberately and actively pick up his word every day. And he wants us to make sure that we intentionally come together to receive a double portion of it in honor of the Christian Sabbath on the Lord's Day. So in other words, we need a, a generous helping of scriptures every day of the week and then a double dose of it on Sundays. Right? Like think about it, we eat every day, don't we? Okay, And we do it because we're hungry. But our spiritual self needs to be fed too. And we do that by chewing on the truth of God's word to us that we find in the Bible. So just imagine how you would feel if you only ate a meal just on Sundays. Now that would take a lot of imagination to conjure up for me. <laughs> because I barely make it from breakfast to, you know, lunch. Um, but, but think about it for me. What would happen if you really did that? Your stomach would feel empty, blood sugar would get low, you'd start to get really weak, and then Sunday would come around and you'd stuff yourself full, but by now your body wouldn't be ready or able to handle all of that sudden influx of food, so you probably really wouldn't be able to keep much of it down, would you? Doesn't that sound crazy? Right? And we would never really do that to our physical bodies uh, or put them through that, but if we aren't careful, we sometimes put our spirit through that. Because, you know, people will, will come to church on Sunday and they'll be fed the word and they'll leave energized and, and ready to face the world. But if they don't feed their spirit during the week, then they begin to drift back into old patterns and, and negative thoughts and unruly emotions. And then as they run into temptation, uh, they get weaker and weaker as they try to fight against sin in their own strength. And then they wonder why they feel so discouraged and so depressed all of the time. But brothers and sisters, God doesn't want you to have that kind of life. That's not what he planned for us. God never intended for us to gorge on his word just once a week and then not have another helping of it until the following week. So we're to feed on his heavenly bread daily so that, that just like the physical food we eat gives our bodies the things we need to sustain our physical life, God's word gives life to our spirit. And just like food is vital for a baby to grow from infancy to adulthood, the bread from heaven is vital for us to grow into spiritual maturity and to enjoy all that God has for us. Uh, and, and he's given it to us so that we can have a source of wisdom in the choices that we're making. Uh, and so that we can receive encouragement in our moments of doubt and, and depression, and most especially so that we can have hope for the future. And you know, that doesn't go just for new Christians. This is a good lesson uh, for all of us folks who feel like we have a good grasp on the Scriptures, and you know, maybe some of us have read through the Bible a couple of times. But don't fool yourself into thinking that you don't need to stay immersed in God's Word. Uh, don't let yourself think of it as, as like the same, eating the same old thing day after day after day until you get tired of it, right? It reminded me like of the story of the young couple that I read about whose um, elderly grandfather had a habit of showing up unexpectedly for dinner. And, and sometimes it wasn't always convenient for him to just drop in. Uh, and quite honestly, the family got a little tired of it. But I mean, they decided since, you know, they really do love grandpa, they really did enjoy visiting with him, they decided they would ask him to just pick particular times that they could plan on him coming. The only trouble was that the husband and wife couldn't agree on which days those were going to be uh, that they thought would be appropriate, and so they got into an argument about it in the kitchen. 
And well, just about that time, while they were still in the kitchen arranging and preparing for the meal, guess who knocks on the door? <laughs> Grandpa. Little five-year-old grandson met him at the door, and grandfather said, Hey, buddy, what's for supper? Little boy said, uh, It's going to be goat, Papa. Goat? The grandfather said, Are you sure about that? We're, we're really going to eat goat? Yep, he said, I just overheard Dad say to Mom, Well, today is just as good as any to have the old goat for dinner. <laughs> <laughs> so whether you're a, a new Christian or a lifetime convert, don't grow weary of receiving God's word. Uh, don't treat spending time with it like a chore or a duty or a nuisance or like somebody made you eat old goat. Uh, but let God feed you with the finest of his wheat and honey from the rock. And li listen to what he says again, if you remember back from Psalm 19. He says, the instructions of the Lord are perfect, reviving the soul. The decrees of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. The commandments of the Lord are right, bringing joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are clear, giving insight for living. Reverence for the Lord is pure, lasting forever. The laws of the Lord are true. Each one is fair. They're more desirable than gold, even the finest gold. They are sweeter than honey, even honey dripping from the comb. See what the Bible says about itself? It says it's something to be delighted in, that it's enjoyable, that it's a blessing, it's satisfying, it's filling. And if that hasn't been your experience with it, then ask God to give you a greater delight in Him and in His Word, because I promise you He loves to answer those kind of prayers. And ask God to show you uh, if you've been filling your life with things that distract you from Him. You may find out you've been spoiling your appetite for God's Word and for the things of eternity with a lot of other stuff that are really just a waste of time. And then, if, if you really want to cultivate an enjoyment for God's Word, look for ways to keep it in front of you. Keep the Bible near your chair or by that favorite corner of the couch that you have worn out where you sit every day. Um, and that way it's easy to just... Pick it up and, and read at least a, a chunk of scripture every day. Maybe just one psalm or one of the short letters of John. Did you, and I've, I've printed this in the bulletin before, these timetables. But do you know, for the average reader, not a you know, speed reader, not a college graduate, just average reader, could read all three of the epistles of John in 20 minutes. You can't even watch like CSI Miami in 20 minutes, can you? <clears throat> Uh, or you, uh, you could read First and Second Thessalonians in 19 minutes. You could read the whole book of Titus in 7 minutes. You could chomp down all the book of Philemon in 3 minutes. And then while you're reading, just on, you know, on a piece of paper, or some folks use a prayer journal, just, just jot down from it just something that spoke to you, or, or something that encouraged you. And, and then stick that piece of paper near your coffee pot, or poke it up on the refrigerator, or by your telephone so that each time you see it during the day, you're reminded of the truth that God has impressed on your heart that morning. And I love how, uh, how Jonathan Edwards described this. He's one of the greatest uh, American pastors, maybe one of the greatest intellects of, uh, of our time. He writes, We must endeavor to increase spiritual appetites by meditating on spiritual objects. So put those things in front of you, and then don't get just used to having them as part of the background. Stop and think and meditate on the way and on the word of God. 
But you can't meditate on something you don't already have in your thoughts, can you? And so I encourage you today, start reading your Bible. Do, do it today. Don't, don't put it off. And don't just read it, reflect on it. Contemplate it, savor it. Try, try reading it out loud, uh, just like the people of Jesus' day would do from the Scriptures. Because, you know, if you're vocalizing it, you're not only seeing it, but you're hearing it, and so then you're really thinking about it, and you're filling yourself up with it. Uh, and the truth is, you're going to fill your heart and mind with something. Uh, so make sure that what you fill it with is the Word of God. And so that's my challenge uh, for all of us for the rest of this year, is to delight ourselves in the law of the Lord. Uh, let's not be satisfied with just a watered-down version or just grabbing a few crumbs here and there, but, but pick it up and, and crack it open and, and ask God to give you a big slice of His truth from the depths of His Word. And when that happens, I promise you, you're going to want to come back for seconds. Can we pray together? God, our Father, we thank You so much for the truth of Your Word. We thank You that You uh, make a banquet of it ready for us to feast on constantly. Uh, forgive us, Lord, for how often we've ignored it because the scriptures written in our own native languages are uh, paid for by the blood of martyrs. Uh, streets of Europe ran red with the blood of martyrs so that each of us could read the Bible in uh, English or, or Italian or German or Spanish or French uh, instead of Latin. And so we are so grateful, Father, for this word that we have that we can go to. So make it alive to our hearts. Uh, move over it by your Holy Spirit to teach our hearts. Uh, and be with us, Lord, as we go out into this week and delight us in your word. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.